We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Emanuel, and regular guest in the show, Nolan Jensen. Fellas, how we doing? Ah, I'm doing all right. I got really nothing to complain about outside of school, but I mean, those are <laughs> you know, petty issues. But outside of that, I'm doing well. Um, I'm excited to take a break from the studying here and talk a little uh, Brooklyn Nets basketball, as per always with you boys. Nets basketball. Always good to talk Nets basketball. Obviously not as crazy in terms of topics, but we're kind of still carrying over some of that Steve Nash hype. As always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, what are we discussing today? Not that crazy, Nick, mate. Have you looked at this Google Doc that I got prepared here? We've got a page worth of stuff. We're not getting through all this. Don't worry about that. We've got plenty of content. What is he talking about, ladies and gentlemen? Let's start with the Canadian Goats article for Nets Daily, where he was uh, Mr. Nolan Jensen dive deep into the offensive weaponry and mid-range uh mid-range expertise of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving Nolan what do you think these two can bring to the Nets offense under Steve Nash going forward how valuable will they be to the playoffs um, and ever and also I uh, go check it out at netsdaily.com that article it is uh, a really great one uh first off I appreciate that uh secondly it's gonna be a breath of fresh air I mean under Kenny the last four years, 
we generated certain looks, aka shots beyond the arc. Um, we got to the free throw line regularity, and that was always a good thing, and tried to generate as many looks at the rim. And I expect under Steve Nash, we're still going to do that because that's just how modern offenses operate. But the premise of that article, I was actually, um, I came across an Eric Spolstra video in the offseason where he talked about the biggest trends in the game today. And he talked about exactly what I said, how modern offenses look to generate looks, again, uh, at the rim, beyond the three-point line, and at the free throw line. So if that's how the teams are scheming offensively, and more importantly, what defenses are trying to negate, as he mentioned, like that leaves mid-range jumpers and post-ups available. And in the NBA world, it's not too many players in the NBA that are better at posting up than Kevin Durant in terms of efficiency. He was 77th percentile last year. As a Golden State Warrior, two and a half post-ups per game. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets this season only ran 0.5 as a team. So, as I mentioned, drastically different looks. And Kyrie Irving, as a, as a guard, is actually excellent at posting up. He ranked in the 91st percentile. And in terms of mid-range Jays, I mean, they both shot above 50%. Uh, I mean, not just last season, but over, like, the course of the last few. So, mid-range aficionados, um, post-ups, they got that in the repertoire as well. There's really nothing that they can't do. And as we've seen in the postseason, I mean, if that shot's there, especially in crunch time, they're going to take it. And as mentioned, there's not too many players in the NBA that are better at exploiting um, potentially dogmatic defensive schemes as Katie or Kyrie Irving. Now, Nolan, do you think this is a spot where having Steve Nash as a coach is just ideal because of his feel for the game and understanding his players and kind of maybe willing to adapt? Obviously, we haven't seen him coach yet, but it just seems like he would be a guy that would let Kyrie, let KD take some of those shots like you mentioned that, you know, Kenny Atkinson wasn't such a big fan of. Um, Well, like what I use as an example is with Steve Kerr under Golden State, I mean, it was motion spread offense given their primary ball handlers and their capable shooters, but Steve Kerr also gave KD a healthy diet of isolation and post-ups, and I expect no different with Steve Nash, who saw that firsthand in Golden State as a player development consultant his time spent there. So he he's going to let you know his chefs cook. That's just what he's going to do. But as you mentioned, and uh, I think we talked about this in a previous podcast, mentioned multiple times, I really like that he put an emphasis on in-game adjustments, malleability. Because mm-hmm. as a coach in the NBA, that's how you're going to survive. You want to be more like a Frank Vogel, uh, Coach Spo, Brad Stevens, Nick Nurse, more than you want to be like, let's be honest, you know, a D'Antoni or yep. a Coach Bud or, you know, even like a Kenny Atkinson. That malleability, the ability to form and reform is what's going to get you through a postseason. And though we've never watched Steve Nash coach, we don't really know what his schemes are going to look like. I think that's what he's going to bring to the table. I think that's how he's going to maximize the Nets' window in these next couple of years. And I think if you look at it, just the coaches that are left right now in the conference finals, you mentioned Brad Stevens, Eric Spolstra, Frank Vogel, Mike Malone, all guys willing to kind of make those adjustments. And just talking Kyrie and KD in terms of like their skill set and allowing them to attack that mid-range and post-up area, do you think this will have an influence on what the Nets do in the offseason is trying to make sure that they can kind of complement those guys to allow them to attack those areas as well? Or it's not really going to play a huge part. Their skill set is so versatile, it doesn't really matter. I'm looking at the Google Doc right now that uh, Jack made up for us, and I'm seeing Drew Holiday at the top. Of it. <laughs> so that's immediately what I'm going to look to. I'm I'm in favor. I'm all for Drew Holiday. Um, I I mean, in terms of complementary assets that the Nets can acquire, and 
we want to be able to maximize this window, as we just mentioned. Drew Holiday's perfect, man. I mean, yeah, he's going to be 30, but he should have at least two to three more elite or borderline elite, at least to his standard, seasons left under his belt. And that's kind of all we need. I mean, a versatile defender that can guard one through four. I mean, no guard has won Defensive Player of the Year since Gary Payton did in 1996. I feel like if there's a guard that's capable of doing that, it's Drew Holiday. He can lock up your opposition's best perimeter players, sometimes wings a la like a Siakam or a Tatum, and then give you 20 to 25 on any given night. He's yeah. perfect. Um, as mentioned per scoop, Dinwiddie and Jared Allen would be featured in the deal. And though I, I, I love Dinwiddie, I love Jared Allen, I'm looking at it logistically. Spencer Dinwiddie is going to inevitably decline his player option next season. I think that's just a given. Jared Allen, RFA extension will kick in. The Nets are ready against the cap. They're operating on margins. They're just not going to have the money to resign those guys after next season. So if Marks can turn that into Drew Holiday, I mean, that's just another fantastic move by him, I feel. What do you think, yeah, Jack, on that? I'm all about Drew Holiday. I think that we've mentioned his name on the pod pretty consistently. It's, you know, been him, Bill, all the depot, but... You know, the like Nolan alluded to, the fit just makes so much sense. And uh, I will be remiss to say that Musa is also in that package, unfortunately, <laughs> for all the Musa stands out there on Twitter and beyond. Uh, I just think that, and we heard on JJ Reddick's podcast as well, which kept Kevin Durant featured on, how how glowingly they spoke, they both spoke of, of of Drew Holiday. You know, Drew's had time defending Kevin Durant, and he said he's made it tough for him. Obviously, he's about six inches shorter, so he can shoot over him. But, you know, he, he said he's got quick feet, quick hands. Um, JJ Redick, obviously, being his current teammate as well. You know, JJ Redick is probably a name that we could get to Brooklyn. We've got plenty of trade stuff that we'll probably get to. But in terms of, yeah, just the fit um, beyond Drew Holiday, it's just defense and three-point shooting. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I guess, looking at it in a Houston Rockets mold of things, the Nets have enough, you know, pure talent and guys that can create their own in, in the half court, which is, you know, the most important skill in the NBA right now. You know, KD, Kyrie, Karras, Spence, if he were to stay. But, you know, even Drew Holiday can certainly do that as well. And Joe Harris has, has shown an ability to create his own shot in much more limited circumstances, but can still do it. So I think, yeah, it's guys like Serge Ibaka, Aaron Baines, Mo Harkless, these sort of guys that can just slot in play some good defense, shoot, some, shoot the three ball uh, every now and then and be a good role fit uh, in that sort of starting five and be part of a playoff rotation and a championship rotation, be that in the in the seven, eight, nine-man rotation, whatever it might be. So for me, that's the those are the names that I'm sort of looking at because we we haven't necessarily seen rumors regarding, you know, Serge Barker and, and those sort of people. Um, those are the names that are probably more intriguing to me than these sort of third star splashy sort of names, so to speak. Yeah, it would be really interesting if they're able to kind of, you know, get this this trade pushed through. Obviously, I think Torian Prince would have to be included given, you know, salary cap numbers. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're able to keep Karis LeVert and add Drew Holiday, that's that's a pretty big move for you. Because even KD talked about having Karis is such a luxury <laughs> of having those nights where he can run the offense, he can score 30, he can kind of do his thing and allow Ka Kyrie and KD. Drew Holiday is giving you another one of those guys, and he's giving you that elite defense that you're really missing. So this would be a huge deal to kick off the offseason for the Nets and really filling a need would not necessarily fully emptying the cupboard because you'd still have Karis LeVert as a big trade asset if you had to make another move down the line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that 
it's it's we know that Karras's value seems to be solidified within the organization. Hearing from KD and just the rumblings that we sort of heard, um, you know, that could change in in a matter of days and weeks, and and we have to revise our sort of thoughts here uh, on the buzz. But we'll we'll certainly be keeping abreast of it. But I wanted to get to some more sort of. Uh, rumors and, and news that came from some of these podcast appearances, guys, because there was some pretty um, salient sort of stuff. And I first want to get to Kevin Durant, um, and he said this in relation to the Nash hiring. Everyone is like, this is KD, this is KD, this is KD. Well, he said differently. First of all, I didn't pick the Nets coach. We got people in place to do that. I just supported it. Me and Kyrie, we're always on the same page. He's just a hooper. It don't matter. Nolan, are you taking his word for it? Is it KD's pick? Is it Sean Marks' pick? Is it Joe Sy's pick? Who was it? When I, uh, when I, when I first off, when I heard Kevin Durant uh, say that, I said that, um, I actually, I do, I believe him. This to me, um, we'll get into it. This, this kind of seemed like a Sean Marks hiring, in my opinion, dating back to the days back in Phoenix. Obviously, they played together in the uh, latter half of the first decade of the millennium. Mark's had his eyes on him apparently since May. I mean, this kind of was like a Mark's out of left field hire, in my opinion. Obviously, like, yes, it had to be co signed by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and it, it feels as if it was. But I would say this was more of a, a, a Mark's hiring. This was more of a Mark's idea. If it was more to the tune of KD or Kyrie Irving, I think you almost go with the quote-unquote safer pick and like a Ty Lue. But with Steve Nash, I mean, it's out of left field. I don't think anyone really saw it coming. Obviously, it was player uh, development consultant in Golden State with Kevin Durant, and they forged a relationship there, and apparently that goes back a number of years. And Kyrie Irving is respects the guy he's a fan of, and Steve Nash obviously reciprocates that love back but i would go out on a limb and say this was more of a a marks hiring with obviously the co-signing of kevin durant and kyrie irving and then that's what we need i mean there's nothing wrong with those three working in unison that's going to maximize what the nets are moving forward i mean yeah i overall even if it wasn't i would really have no problem with it but i don't know how you how do, how do you guys feel about it yeah, I felt like KD was actually pretty animated because there was a video clip of him actually saying it too and seemed like, yeah, it wasn't my pick. I think Sean Marks kind of brought the idea to everybody and it kind of checked all the boxes like we've discussed in the past. Like the relationship with Marks, relationship with KD, Joe Sy gets the big name hiring at coach, you know, add more star power to the Brooklyn Nets. So I think Marks kind of came with the idea and everyone was okay with it because it just made a ton of sense in so many different elements. Yeah, it ticks a lot of boxes. And, you know, I think that when we see KD on a pod, he's quite unfiltered. And in, in that sort of, you know, he he's not going to mince his words. And, you know, there might be times where he, he, he sort of speaks some myths, truths, or, um, you know, goes on, on tangents in certain respects. But from the podcast appearance from Joe Budden to Steve Nash's pod, which we'll, we'll get to all of those, um, the, the main points from those uh, in a little bit. You know, I think that it seems to me, as sort of Nolan and you were alluding to, Nick, that, you know, it seems to me that it seems Sean Marks is the guy in that respect. And you know, he was the one that sort of was the impetus for this. And while it's a more risky move, as we've talked about, 
it's also quite safe in terms of who it appeases within the organization and you know the the uh, the risks out the rewards outweigh outweigh the the positive possible negatives that are involved you know you can always you know add an assistant coach in or whatever you could put an adam harrington or or jacques vaughn uh, if things do go awry but if you're going all in and you're, you're putting all your chips in uh, steve nash you couldn't you could do worse than uh, a smart canadian as uh, we know by getting uh, <laughs> nolan jensen on this pod as much as possible even though sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility of your hiring you only pay for what you need and can pause your account at any time. And there's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you with the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility of your hiring. You only pay for what you need and can pause your account at any time. And there's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you with the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. But I'll bring to you guys as well. Probably I put a thread out on Twitter following um, Steve Nash's appearance on JJ Reddick's podcast, uh, Future Brooklyn Net, according to Nick Faye. Uh, we'll get to that one <laughs> maybe today, maybe in future pods. But the main point that I took from the podcast and from that thread that seemed to get a lot of traction, and thank you to Nets Daily for, for jumping on board with that too, was this. Kevin with his length is a matchup problem for everyone. Kevin can play all five positions, and I plan to use him in all five positions. Uh, Nolan, is Kevin Durant going to be playing point guard for the Brooklyn Nets next season? I'm in. <laughs> One through five. Like This is obviously going to be in short stints. It's not like he's going to be a stay-at-home five. It's not like he's going to be bringing the ball up and initiating the offense in every set, kind of like LeBron James did this year with the Lakers, averaging career-high assists. That's probably not going to happen. But it's like, yeah, man. Like <laughs> In terms of versatility, at least on the offensive end of the floor, even on the defensive end, we saw him um, really grow as a uh, rim protector in Golden State, not uh, warranted. Like, there were three generational defenders with him on the court at most times. But, yeah, there was definitely growth in that aspect as well. I mean, you can kind of, of course. He played 7 to 10% of his minutes at the 5, I believe, per basketball reference. I remember looking 
at that before I hopped on the pod with you boys just so I didn't sound like a complete buffoon, but it's it's possible. I mean, can we go really small micro ball and put out a death lineup at the end of the games with all the shot creators and and just, you know, it versatile scores on the floor that the Nets currently have? I'm like, yeah, that's possible. Um, I, I expect him to primarily be playing minutes at the four, but you can shuffle him around. Um, again, short stints, yeah, I can see him playing minutes at the five. I could also, in really weird situations, maybe even play a little bit at the one. Who who knows? It's Kevin Durant. He's versatile. We know this stuff. So it's not really a surprise. Yeah, it's not. Uh, Kenny Atkinson actually said the same thing when Katie was first signed, that he'd play him in all positions. And given the way basketball is positionless, Katie's going to bring up the ball a couple times, play point guard a little bit, run the offense, set things up, and then I'm sure we'll see some small ball lineups at different points. Like no one said, I don't think it's anything we're going to see in large sample sizes. Like we're not going to see KD log 35 minutes at center. It'd probably be more of like a six or four minute stint, or maybe it's a closing lineup against certain teams. Mm-hmm. Just given his versatility, there's there's not really anything he can't do offensively. So why wouldn't you use him in every different aspect of his game, on ball, off ball, post-ups, whatever it might be. We kind of hinted at it earlier when we were talking about Nolan's piece. Yeah, I think that as uh, if you look to his tenure in Golden State, I think that defensively, he played as probably a, a rim protector in those death lineups because Draymond Green, while he is one of the best defenders in the history of the game, Katie just has some better, at that point in time before the Achilles injury, was just a better, more athletic player and just increased his rim protection and, and defensive acumen tenfold in, in that respect. And he spoke about it on, on the Steve Nash pod as well. There's the fact that, you know, in OKC, he didn't have to do that. He wasn't asked to do that. Whereas in the new system in Golden State, he flourished as... Um, as a basketballer in general, and we hope that under Steve Nash, uh, that does continue. But I guess he went on the one of the most uh, famous podcasts going around, the Joe Budden pod, and there were a few takeaways from it, guys. And the one that I wanted to get to is that the the fact that the Nets are, are in LA, they're playing a bit, and Katie feels healthy, saying that he feels like myself, I feel like a player. I'm in a stage now where we're hooping every day. I feel good waiting for next season to get back. When you hear that, Nolan, how does it make you feel? It's not the first time we've heard this. Um, we've gotten, you know, little brief updates. Uh, basically, since the season started, It, by all accounts, it seems like he's progressing nicely. This would now be, man, almost like lost track of time. What, like a month? 15? Like 15 months? Yeah, like 15, 16 since he uh, ruptured his Achilles. So, I mean, it's more than a year. Um, obviously... Uh, according to uh, Adam Silver, he mentioned this earlier, we might not have NBA basketball until January, so that gives him an, an extra few months on top of that. I mean, obviously, there's going to be rust when he comes back. Even with Michael Jordan, 19 months in his first retirement, he came back, and it, it took him a while to, to gain rhythm. And that's, and no Achilles tear. <laughs> yeah, and no Achilles tear, right? So the first couple of weeks, it's, it's uh, there's going to be rust. I fully expect him to wear off. Um, I fully expect him to be Kevin Durant. It's nice to hear that he's hooping every day. It's nice to hear that he's having no issues, absolutely no problems with that uh, Achilles. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those situations where I kind of just want to see him play basketball on an yeah. NBA hardwood. Obviously, we can't. So you do moderately at least have to take this all with a grain of salt. Um, 
you know, once we see him in the preseason, if there isn't even a preseason, then that's probably going to serve as a better indicator as to where that ankle is at. But I mean, like, I'm no doctor, but, you know, 16 months. Um, yeah, it, it feels, I think I'd be worried if he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it'd be worried. I'd be worried if we we're still putting restrictions on what he's able to do with this offseason. And obviously, that's not the case. So I feel good. You know, I, I felt good about it for a while now. I kind of just want to see him play him at that point. But it's it's obviously a good thing. Yeah, I think he's kind of back to five on five. Now he's in starting to get back in basketball shape and back to perfecting his skill of being one of the best players in the league. That just doesn't happen overnight. Like you talk about rehab, but then there's a whole period of practice and getting back in rhythm and being that guy you were. I think another positive from this would just be the Nets are already spending time together, which I think is huge given chemistry and what we saw during this postseason with the Clippers. If the Nets can kind of start to build up some of that, it could be a big, big uh, part of next year's success. Yeah, apparently Adam Harrington uh, is also out there as well. So it seems that a, a lot of I feel of the like he's are... everyone's favorite coach. It's <laughs> great. Me. Yeah, he. I mean, the wholesome content on his on his Twitter as well. Make sure you give an Adam Harrington a follow. And, and Adam Harrington, if you want to jump on the buzz, uh, slide in the DM <laughs> at the J Man JVT. Uh, for for me, just to to quickly uh, put a lid on on those comments. The one that made me obviously, you know, it's it's we we want to see it. We we hear these comments. It's good to hear. But I just like the point, I feel like myself like a player. Like, it's just like, okay, mm. now he's not just healthy. He feels like he's ready to play NBA basketball. And, you know, when we probably thought that three months ago, and we probably thought that when we were talking about it pre-bubble. Um, but, you know, that's certainly a positive for me going forward. But, guys, uh, let's get some, some Nick's saltiness on this pod. Uh, we're all about it. Uh, any Nick's listeners, feel free to uh, jump into Nick's DMs at OTG Nick. Um, but... In terms of, I'll bring to you both points of view. So, obviously, he was asked about the decision on the JJ Redick pod, and then he furthered that on the Joe Budden pod. So, I'm going to give you both quotes, guys. And this was around in response to JJ Redick. I never planned on it. The media put that out there. I didn't want to be the savior of, of the Knicks or New York. I didn't care about being the king of New York. That never really moved me. I didn't care about being on Broadway. I just wanted to play ball and go to the crib and chill. And that's what Brooklyn and body. Brooklyn was everything I'm about. Chill, on the low, all black, everything. We're quiet. We just focus on basketball. There's no show when you come to our games. No Madison Square, Mecca, all that shit. We're just going to hoop, build something new in Brooklyn. I felt that way around February leading up until March. And then once free agency hit, it was time. Before I get to the Joe Budden comments, uh, Nolan, surely a bit of Nick's saltiness makes you feel good. I mean, it's always fun, you know, friendly banter between Knicks and Nets fans. Um, I've I've got a record, and I'll say it again. I really want the Knicks to be good. It just makes for a better rivalry within the boroughs. Um, as far as the comments go, it <laughs> it's funny because you're not exactly going to escape the bright lights of New York. I mean, I warrant it, you're not in the Mecca, the Madison Square Garden. That's not your home arena, but all eyes are going to be on the Brooklyn Nets once Kevin Durant eventually debuts. That's just... That's not going anywhere. So those comments, I understood the premise. I understand where he's coming from. The Nets, obviously, it, it does. It does feel like it's more, quote-unquote, chill atmosphere. But at the same time, you're not escaping the bright lights of New York City. So with those Especially comments... in this social media climate. Yeah, like... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's got to be a lot, plenty of people... That I want to see succeed, probably even more that I want to see you fail. That just comes with the territory of being Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So that's not going anywhere. 
Um, as far as like all of his Knicks comments holistically, um, it's obviously a talking point within social media and within like mainstream media, a la like Undisputed or First Take, etc. Because whatever Kevin Durant says, that's always a big deal. Because yeah, he's Kevin Durant, but it's he's he's being asked these questions and he's giving you know genuine, insightful in a lot of cases answers, um, and then obviously that's what like Bleacher Report or ESPN or whatever will highlight, you know, just take that. Sometimes even out of context, throw the uh, quote out on Twitter and then watch the world implode. And <laughs> in that regard, I'm kind of, I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of getting tired of it. Like, you know, he chose Brooklyn. This happened 14 months ago. I wish we didn't continually ask him why he churned the Knicks or why he decided to, um, go to uh, Brooklyn, another borough, but like, I understand it is what it is. This is how media operates. They want good quotes. They got some damn good quotes too out of that. So, but all in all, I'm growing tired of it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I feel like it was kind of just a situation where everybody knew that Katie was going to New York, but everyone just kind of assumed it was going to be the Knicks given that they're like hype where, so maybe the players started to respect Brooklyn a little bit more than the media did because of, Hey, there's still a focus on basketball and there's not all this extra stuff. And like the nets are about winning and doing their things. And Katie noticed that. So that was kind of one of the main reasons he came, especially him saying like, I think one of the bigger things that was kind of surprising from the quote was just like, Oh, you made this decision in February and March that you kind of wanted to be out. And this is kind of where you're looking to go. I found that pretty intriguing. Yeah. I think that was the probably point that I, I found the, the most sort of, you know, like, oh, okay, that's interesting because we, you know, obviously there was all the, 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 the BS that came from MSG in terms of their promotional stuff, having like you know, <laughs> Kevin Durant on a goddamn poster and a billboard and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, I think that again, it's just to, to hear the forthright honesty of Kevin Durant, which I think we get more of him when he's on wax with players more so than when he's with like Bill Simmons or, or Joe Budden or whoever. And when he's with, you know, actual basketball players, it seems to me that he's, he's a little bit looser. And to sort of hear that, you know, it, you look at you know, the the person and when everyone analyzes the personality of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving for that matter, probably more than two other superstars in maybe the past couple of decades, maybe LeBron James is probably in that category as well. But the the vibe when you look at when uh, it makes me hark back to pre-signing and Nick was probably more so like, oh, I can see it happening, Jack. And I'm like, look, it's Nick's man. Like, come on, it just all makes sense. Rich Kleiman, blah, 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 blah. Right. But now that I look at it and I hear those comments about, you know, keeping it on the download, keeping it chill, it's the Brooklyn vibe, all black, everything. I'm like, that makes so much sense. Why could I not, like, why don't I know Kevin Durant more? Uh, why didn't I not put X um, X and Y together to create Z? Um, it just, it made so much sense in hindsight. But I'll... And we didn't even talk about how bad the Knicks are as a team, like in terms of their actual on-court product in comparison to the Nets. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I put that aside because I thought that... Um, yeah, uh, look, I'm I'm wrong a lot on not just this podcast, but JBT, the outlet, and all basically NBA podcasts. I'm wrong a lot, but I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong. In, you were in actually happy that, to admit you were wrong about this one. <laughs> oh, God, God damn. God damn, it feels good to be wrong. Uh, I'll happily be wrong um, about plenty of other things if it means that we get to sign Kevin Durant. Uh, in saying that, final thing on the sort of Knicks drama, we'll put this to bed on the buzz and going forward. I think KD did it as well on the Joe Budden pod. He said this, and he was asked, can you leave the Knicks alone? He's like, what do you mean? They bothered me for a whole year. I was just trying to chill, just play and worry about my season. All the Knicks fans and those Knicks media, they bothered me the whole year. But when it's my time to talk about it, I got to shut up now. 
I've been wanting to ask these questions for a year. Now that I'm available, it's a problem. Nolan, you, how do you feel sort of KD sticking up for himself a little bit um, to all the, the Knicks stands and Knicks haters out there and James Dolan stands? I mean, it's weird. Are there James Dolan stands? Sorry, why well, don't I? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Went under the rug and move on. Um, I mean, it's it's always weird when we demonize athletes for showing their character, who they who they truly are. And Kevin Durant, like, I mean, it says in his bio, he's going to do him, and it's, it's exactly what he's doing. I mean, we have two of the most outspoken superstars, like you mentioned, of recent memory who are going to tell it how they see it and they're going to you know give the media great quotes like like they've done over the last couple of years because they're real they're authentic and sometimes that can be portrayed in a variety of ways but he has a point you know like kevin durant has been on blast by a lot of knicks fans over the past year for uh spurning them and going to brooklyn and now He's in a spot where he's done, you know, plenty of shows recently, the JJ Reddick pod and the Joe Budden pod, and he's getting asked these questions, and he's doing exactly what Kevin Durant does. He's telling it how he is. He's he's seen the he's seen the hate. Kevin Durant's pretty active on Twitter. We know this as Nets fans. We know this just as Kevin Durant fans. So he's seen plenty of you know spiteful remarks thrown his way, and now he's responding. Responding, sorry, and I don't necessarily have a, a problem with that. Like I've I've, I've said since uh, the beginning of the year, heading into next year, I want to be the heels. Like I want to rock that black and white Nets logo of black and white NWO gear from late '90s WCW. Like I want to embrace <laughs> the hate, and Kevin Durant's kind of doing that in a sense where he's acknowledging what Knicks fans have said to them, and now he's responding. And like I got nothing nothing against it like do you speak up i love it so yeah same almost the same exact thoughts as no one and like based off of the way katie interacts on twitter like this is kind of a response you'd expect you know what i mean if they're going to be petty about stuff he's going to take his shots at him as well yeah i i'm all about taking shots at Knicks fans and Knicks media so uh hook it to my veins uh, everyone except for our, our guy vic at otg basketball um check out his article on otg basketball.com about Giannis. one of the best pieces i've read in a very long time from an amateur writer guys i wanted to get to one final thing um, we've got plenty of sort of trade stuff relating to paul george Giannis, jj reddick and bleacher report stuff we'll get to that in future episodes but Nets Twitter exploded thanks to my guy, Paul Headley, who is featured on the Just Ball Things NBA podcast and is uh, a bit of a crazy Irishman. I'll put it out there. Uh, living in Vietnam right now. Great hoops head. Really, really knowledgeable. But he put out a poll. Somewhat anti-Nets. Um, I think he's... <laughs> yeah, dude, he definitely is. Like, uh, Paul is a good dude, but, like, that the trade he put out, I think it was Spencer Dinwiddie and Carousel oh, yeah. and Dante DiVincenzo. Like, I love Paul, but, like, come on, bro. Like, come on. He he certainly is low on the Brooklyn Nets roster in general. Probably everyone except for Kevin Durant. He's got some takes, and I respect it. But we we respect takes on any podcast. Yes, sir. And this was this poll uh, probably exploded in a way that caused Nets Twitter to explode with it, including my guy Nolan, who jumped in on the fun as well. Uh-huh. He said all of next season, regular season, and playoffs combined. Who would you rather have? And it was Kyrie or Jamal Murray. Uh, as of speaking right now, Kyrie has 55% of the vote and Jamal Murray has 45% of the vote. We're all Kyrie vote. I voted for Kyrie here. I'm sure all of you guys did. But Nolan, uh, uh, what was your response in seeing this? I'll provide my response after hearing from you and Nick. 
Like, first off, I do. I don't. I don't know him personally, but I do respect. Uh, respect. Sorry, Paul Headley for putting his takes out there without fear. Uh, yeah. We generally felt he put a poll out there. He's willing to, and I've seen it. He's willing to combat anyone that says, you know, he's foolish for putting it out there. So I can fully respect that. But with that being said, it's Kyrie. I mean, I don't. I'm not entirely sure. This is a overused cliche in the NBA Twitter sphere. But I'm not entirely sure it's particularly close either. Yeah. Um, when I look at Jamal Murray and I acknowledge and I admire what he's doing, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, he's still maintaining those 50, 40, 90 splits, putting up gaudy stats. Denver's in the Western Conference Finals. He's going to be a great point guard moving forward. But when I look at Jamal Murray's ceiling, um, I kind of view it similar to what like Kyrie Irving's peak is or was or I, I shouldn't say was um he had a phenomenal eight albeit 20 games but i know what i'm getting with Kyrie in the most dire of straits i mean detractors will mention health problems or maybe personalities but supporters will say hey you know in three elimination games against a team that won 73 games he averaged 30 on 50-50, 100 splits, didn't miss a free throw, and he got to the line at a pretty decent clip. So with Kyrie, I know exactly what I'm getting. And I think Jamal Murray's, like, absolute peak, and I'm talking, like, in the next two or three years, might be, like, below what Kyrie is now. And Kyrie is entering his prime. And, you know, if I only get... 50 to 60 regular season games of Kyrie. If, if, as long as I'm getting him healthy in the playoffs, he's big time. Like, we've seen it, you know. It's 2016 finals. You can get, I, I'm going to keep going back to it, but like, that's the best example. Um, it's Kyrie to me, and it's not entirely close, but that's just my opinion. Jamal Murray's great, but like I said, his peak might not even be what Kyrie was three, four years ago, and now he's entering his prime, so. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of recency bias, to be honest. Like, Jamal Murray is popping off right now, playing out of his mind. He's never really proven that he's been able to play at this level the rest of his career. He's always kind of been a hot and cold guy. We're talking about somebody who's never even averaged 20 points per game, and we're saying we'd rather have him than Kyrie Irving, a guy who can almost do that in his sleep. He averaged, I think, 27 for the Nets this season in limited time. And just like... Murray had some favorable matchups, including that one against Utah, where they really didn't even have a good defensive body to throw at him. The Clippers had all types of issues. If Jamal Murray pops off and he averages like 35 and Denver beats the Lakers in this series, I'd probably be willing to have the conversation. But I think right now, Jamal Murray still has a lot of work to do to catch up to Kyrie Irving. There's only one way that Jamal Murray uh, provides better value next season overall, uh, according to to Paul's criteria, is if it's Kyrie's injured. It's simple as that. Yeah, and that is a very real possibility. You know, looking at it objectively, I've said this plenty of times in the pod. That's probably the things that is going to stop us from a championship: the health of Katie and the health of Kyrie. It's as simple as that. You know, those guys are healthy. You know, there's very little reason to bet against the Brooklyn Nets, given the talent on their roster and given how good Kevin Durant can be and how good Kyrie Irving can be. Both of those guys at their ceilings are Kevin Durant, best player in the NBA, Kyrie Irving, one of the three or the two or three best point guards in the NBA. You know, there is not more of a dynamic offensive duo in the NBA. But looking at it from the side of the point of view, the, the Jamal Murray case, 
Kyrie Irving is an injury-prone player. And while it's great to hear, of, and we've spoken about on this pod, the, the Kevin Durant health um, and the fact that he's feeling good and all these sort of things. And hopefully I want to hear a little bit more about and, and talk a little bit more about this pod, about Kyrie Irving's shoulder. What's going on there? You know, we've seen some TikTok videos and all that sort of stuff. And we analyze stupid things in relation to that. But for me, the health of Kyrie Irving is probably the thing that I'm looking at most. Maybe not most. Maybe it's just uh, thinking about it in, in the heat of the moment. But Kyrie Irving's health could determine the the championship, uh, the championship caliber, um, the, the championship resume for the Brooklyn Nets in 2021. It's as simple as that for me. Yeah, I agree. No, I think that's a huge factor, and I think that's something to take in consideration with almost the whole roster. You look at different guys down the line, like you mentioned, KD, Kyrie, you know, Karis Avert. There's there's a lot of question marks when it comes to health, and you almost have no control over it. Like you can rest guys, you can you know do load management, but all it takes is kind of one freak injury to essentially ruin the season. Simple as that. Lads, we'll get to some trade stuff and rumor stuff in future pods, but it's been a pleasure as always. Sure. As always, too, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.